Welcome back to the Office Marketing Podcast with Mike Swigert. The podcast all about sales tips, mindset, and value bombs. Five questions to help make your day more productive and learn a thing or two. Here is your host, best-selling author, Mike Swigert. Hey everybody, thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to the Office Marketing Podcast. I've got a really, really fun guest today. It's Rob Hilbert. He is a, uh, a lighting marketing guru. He's a co-founder of Your Lighting Brand. He has got years and years of experience in this lighting world, but also as a great teacher. He spent time as a professor at The Ohio State University. He brings a wealth of entrepreneurship, uh, coaching, teaching, and just has his ear to the rail when it comes to the lighting world. So I'm very excited to, to sit down and spend a little bit of time with him. So uh, Rob, without further ado, thanks for jumping on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I think I say, was it first time, long time? Is that how this goes? You, hey, man, <laughs> you, you took time out of your day to share some knowledge with us. You say yeah. whatever you want, brother. All right, you got it. That's right. All right, yeah, so happy to be through. here. I really appreciate this. Well, you know what? We're glad to have you. So walk us through like your path. You've had a really fun entrepreneurial path. And sometimes yep. hearing um, other people's great stories is fun. But I also like hearing the other backstories, you know, you know, a little bit of reality check. So, Rob, yeah. why don't you walk, walk us through your entrepreneurial journey? Sure. So uh, I sit here today. I, I have 20 employees. I co-founded my business with my business partner, Jonathan. You'll hear me reference him a lot. Um, we started a business nine years ago. Just two of us literally in my garage. Um, and now we have over 20 employees. So I, I sit back and, you know, pinch myself. Hair's you know, standing up my arms right now as I say that I would never imagine my life. I'd be in this spot right now. I went to school for completely unrelated. I shouldn't say completely unrelated, but I was a landscape architect, urban designer. So I went to school for that at Ohio state, spent about 10 years of my early life in that industry. Um, and honestly, I was never, I was satisfied. I enjoyed what I was doing, but it wasn't, it didn't, I didn't come home from work every day excited to go back the next day, I guess is the best way to put it. And so I, I think what a lot of young people do is, you know, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to work harder and I want to go find a mentor. And I did that and it still didn't quite like, all right, that didn't work. So I'm going to, I'm going to try going from company A to company B. Maybe it's a shakeup in, in culture. I was working for a really large um, multidisciplinary architecture firm, offices all over the world, projects all over the world. I was like, what if I go to something maybe more in my backyard where I can actually influence my city, my life? Did that. And it still, same feeling. Uh, and then I started to realize like, God, I hate sitting in these kind of corporate meetings, right, wrong, and different. I hate being told all the time what to do, even though I know I need someone to tell me that. I just don't really like it. I feel like I have a better approach to some of these problems and no one ever listens to me. So what I think what I realized was like kind of quickly, I was like, oh, duh, like you don't like working for people. That's, it's that straightforward and that simple. You like having mentors. You like surrounding yourselves with people who are, you know, visionaries and who will, you know, who will you know, give back to you and help you along the way. But you don't necessarily want to be sitting in the, in the conference room next to them every, every Monday morning. Uh, so that kind of set me on my journey to say, all right, I got to reshuffle the deck here. Got to rethink some things. So I stayed inside my but Rob, you know, my Rob let me let me let me yeah, ask you real yeah, quick. Yeah. So at that point, you've kind of you've kind of meandered through. You've you've accumulated tons of great information. But have you sort of figured out what your superpower is yet? 
other than not really like like being told what to do, but like, what is it? What, <laughs> yeah, what was a, it that you were great at at that point? I love that you asked that question right then and there because I would have skip, skipped over it. I love the design process. Um, I, I think, and I, I will probably talk with this later on what made my company successful. I think there are artists and there are designers. They are, in my opinion, drastically different. An artist can sit down and make something beautiful whether it's a painting uh you know take a great picture write a poem uh they tend to be more in the moment more inspired by something in that immediate moment i'm not saying all of them but i just feel like there's more of an inherent like trait that they have that allows them to do that uh i can draw i can do some of that but i'm not an artist i'm a designer and to me a designer similar to like an engineer i think we believe in a process right so i really early on in my mentor early on in life taught me that you don't just sit down and draw a solution. You have to fact find, right? You got to dive in and you got to discover what is the actual problem that your client is asking you to solve. They might not even know it half the time. So I love the whole, Ooh, let's go. In my old world, it was site analysis. So let's dive into the streets. Let's walk the city. Let's talk to people. Let's look at traffic patterns and look at sun and shade patterns. And what kind of environment do we live in here where the trees can grow? And all of that, like, starts to inform you. And then all of a sudden, once you become informed, you know, you could start to develop maybe what you think a solution could be, but it's not a solution yet. So then you go out there and you start, you know, we've all done it, the whiteboard, chalkboard, whatever, you come up with all these great ideas, you're pinning stuff everywhere. And then you sit back and say, okay, I've done all that. Now let's start, let's reduce it to what we think are actually really solid ideas. You know, take it down to a couple core ideas and start to test those. And eventually, like whether you're conversing with a client internally, sometimes you just let it sit for a week. You know, there's no rhyme or reason, right. but then you discover so, the solution. So now you're great. So basically you're a uh, creative forensic specialist, right? You can literally take, you take <laughs> yeah. all of this data, like yeah. right? I mean, yeah. you're, you're literally, yeah. you collect all this data. So now you, you realize that you actually are good at something, which is kind of cool. A lot of people go through yeah. life and don't necessarily find that. And now you're kind of thinking, What's next, yeah. right? So what's next yeah. for Rob? Where are you going here? Yeah, and that's, I applied that same process to my life. Um, and I actually, so I'm in a completely unrelated industry. Didn't go to school for lighting. I learned a little bit about it, obviously, from my previous uh, background as a specifier. Um, did not go to school for branding, for marketing, for graphic design, didn't do any of that. But again, I learned that if I just applied my same design process to my life and to this new business, we could be successful. So early on when we, John and I first started this, you know, he was a lighting agent. So he actually came out of lighting, but he's also an extremely brilliant artist. And the, the type of person you sit down and you're like, he's like, oh, I've never done that before. And all of a sudden he does. And you're like, oh, geez, that, that's, that's, that's amazing. So when we overlapped and we took his, his design or excuse me, my design capabilities with his artistry, we, we had something special there. I would kick off a project. I'd work with that client. I'd do the whole discovery, you know, the analysis of the competitor, dive into the product. And then John and I, we'd overlap. There is an overlap. It is a Venn diagram. And that's like kind of the ideation side of it. We'd come up with great ideas. And, and then I would, you know, I'd let him do what he's great at. And if, whether it was a video, a website, a product shoot, whatever it might be, then his expertise really took over. Uh, so yeah, I applied that to my, applied to my life. And so it, it allowed me to pivot my career and then once I got into my career, it allowed me to start finding clients because most people aren't aware of the design process. I think a lot of clients, especially in lighting and some of these B2B industrial and commercial, 
I think a lot of people just run on intuition. Mm-hmm. And I think our approach was a little fresh for them to say, hold well, on. Why don't you walk us, walk us through a little bit, like tell us real quick now about your lighting brand without, yeah. you know, granted it can be your, your 32nd, uh, you know, elevator speech, but like in general, why don't you walk us through to listeners that maybe they don't know uh, your lighting brand yet. What does it do and what problem are y'all solving? Yeah. I think the, the biggest problem that we saw, and this is why we started the business, we saw an industry that had amazing technology and its products, but really, we believed kind of generally poor execution of how it communicated that technology. Um, and so that was kind of, we saw that as our, well, we can do something here. At its core, my business, your lighting brand, we kind of have two divisions. We have a uh, design division that I run. Um, we have graphic designers, video uh editors we've got uh, web developers so we got the staff we need and we go out there and we work with lighting manufacturers and lighting agents uh, and really help give them the, the digital marketing tools they need to be successful in the b2b world uh, and then my business partner jonathan he runs our software side of things so we also own and operate the lighting exchange and the lighting exchange is a b2b software that kind of sits between an agent um, and their manufacturers and also the agent and their customers and really allows you know, agencies or small businesses, they're sales agencies. Their job is to go drive sales. They're not necessarily marketing powerhouses. Um, although some of them do have great marketing staffs, that is the, that's the one-off. So our software um, sits on their website and becomes kind of the, the, the main part of how customers search for product and also become engaged in educational content, marketing content. And really, it's starting to power uh, agency websites. And the Lightning Exchange, as it sits today, we have about 380 or so agencies in North America that utilize it. That's about, we think, 80 to 85% of the market share. Um, so again, coming back to where we started, it was we saw an opportunity. And we now half that opportunity we seize with our design capabilities. And the other half are letting software um, in kind of a digital footprint really um, connect this industry as well. I love it. I really do love it. So what's next? I mean, what what's next for your company? Where do you guys where do yeah. you guys go from here? I mean, you've got an 80% market yeah. share. You're killing it with value for your for your clients. What's the next step? Yeah, again, I'll I'll answer the question maybe in two parts because I do think while the businesses support each other, they are they have different paths. We're really uh, doubling down on video production, um, digital capabilities. So um, we've hired some staff here recently. We've, we've increased our, uh, we have our own studio in our office. So we've, uh, we've sold old gear, bought brand new gear, um, better lighting, better lenses, all the stuff you need, uh, increased our software costs. So we're, um, we're actually starting to buy new software that we can do better 3d modeling, uh, product renderings with, because I think as the world is kind of evolving here, I think we're all living and learning every day is a new experience, but I will say this, they're, going to be more digital footprint ever than you know before that's not a some crazy statement everyone says that but so what we're doing is i want to help my clients uh present themselves in a better hybrid fashion so if they're able to meet in person fantastic they've got everything they need for that they've got literature they've got swag they got all the stuff but now when they meet like this on a zoom call you know and they can they pull up a 3d model and spin it around and show an architect right the architect can't hold that product today Unfortunately, that's, that was what we used to do. We used to put that product up against a wall. We'd show the light on the wall. Can't do that right now. Might not ever, who knows? So we want to help them get that same experience, but do it digitally. Uh, and then there's also, if we aren't able to meet face-to-face, right? How can someone visit one of my 
clients' websites and watch a video, take two minutes out of their time and actually um, not be marketed to, but be taught, right? So we're really high on education. Uh, a lot of our clients invest in CEUs. So they're working with AIA to get you know, great accredited content on their websites where we help film those uh, and do the um, uh, scripting for that and really help them push that through. And we also just believe like, hey, look, videos like, again, I love when people, well, I want, I want to have a video that goes epic. I want to go all, I'm like, okay, time out. Everyone wants something like that, but that's not going to necessarily happen all the time. So how can we create really solid content that if 500 people watch it in our industry and in lighting, that's huge. And we want them to take away something about the product that they didn't know before. So I love it. I love it. Well, you and I are both dads and we have children <laughs> of all ages. I think if you include in your videos, um, poppets or maybe <laughs> giving away an island or, um, or something. I'm, my eight-year-old daughter, if you want something, to go, shit, I'll look at a video and it'll have 60 million yes. views. I'm like, why does that have 60 million views? <laughs> and it's not a yeah. 3D rendering of, a, of a, uh, an uplight. Uh, it's, not, it's not as exciting as that. I will say on that point, though, it's so important to educate our clients on what success looks like in the B2B market, because we are so inundated with these things that are live outside of our, our work life that we are impressed with numbers. And, you know, yeah, 60 million likes or whatever and views on YouTube is great, but that's not, that's not going to happen in, in my lighting space. But like I said, if we can get 500 people to watch it, if I can get an open rate on an email marketing, that's 25 to 30%. And I can get a click through rate of 15%. Like I'm happy mm. with that. I'm happy because, you know, and everyone, I think just there's some education we have to do with our clients to let them know what is a, what's a good metric from a bad metric. This episode of the Office Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Fusion Advisory. We help commercial contractors generate leads online profitably. Check us out at fusion-advisory.com. Sure. So, I mean, but here, one thing I always tell people, I'm like, okay, so if you don't think 500 is a lot of people to watch your video or your, your 3D rendering or your talk or whatever you're talking about, go put 500 people in a room. Remember a conference or a, <laughs> a you know, right, like yeah. a, a, a Cornet point. event or an IFMA yeah. event you went to. There are a lot of IFMA events that we go to that have 80 people and 120. Now put 500 people there. That's a, or 300. That's a lot of yeah. people that are actually absorbing content. I mean, that you're spot on. I'm going to borrow that one. I like that. Thank you. Thanks for uh, adding that to my arsenal there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for you. But like, I mean, think That's about right. I've done it. I've done it myself when I was in, in furniture, lugging, you know, two or three chairs, just so like three people could see the, the Zodi chair or the Herman Miller uh, Aeron that we were going to put up front. I'm like, imagine that. Imagine if you could take a 30 second or 45 second video and yeah. now that's there. It's evergreen. You can roll it into all kinds of places, you know, in lighting. It's I, I'm really curious to know how you're going to do it, because. I know, especially lighting designers, they're very picky about um, not necessarily how the light fixture looks, but the effect of light. You know, how are we yeah. going to portray that moving forward from a point of integrity too, right? Because if we're using like a, 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 a projection, right, we're going to have to do that pretty intelligently. How are, you, how are you approaching that challenge, Rob? Yeah, that's a, that's a challenge that I think our job is to really help get the the product out there makes someone aware of it. At some point in time, there is going to have to still be that physical shipping of a product to a customer. I mean, agencies are still, they're still taking products. They're still meeting uh, teams in parking lots. And sometimes they're getting into the office and they're still handing products to them. 
but the integrity part, I think is this is where, uh, you know, for us and our clients getting really good, solid IES files um, and working with the, the organizations on the ground that, that, that have the test facilities, because you can, if you're a, if you're a lighting designer, um, you know, they're good enough, honestly, to, to take that IES file and do a lot of the testing and feel really good about the quality of light. Um, so you can solve quality of light issues, I think, from a, from a file format. I think the concern for them then is it's the performance and the, of, the, of the housing and the fit and finish, if you will, right? Is this a, are we talking extruded aluminum? You know, it, what's, the, what's the paint finish on this? And so that's the stuff that you can't, to your point, like I can spin a 3D model on a, on a, uh, on a screen. I can send them great IES files, but they sometimes they just want to hold it and they want to know how robust this product is. What's the gasket look like? What's the lensing like? I mean, there's a lot of details that, so we, you know, we can write some great marketing hyperbole around it and talk about how our gaskets are whatever, but they still want to, I think there's still going to be a physical product that every so often will have to end up in their hands. And rightfully so. I, I couldn't make decisions that are hundred, two hundred thousand dollar lighting decisions without feeling the product, you know? So uh, Rob, I was in lighting for a long time. Like I sold T12s at one point. Like and that's yeah. <laughs> anybody in lighting, they're kind of like, oh <laughs> I mean, yes, yes, anybody listening, I am 50, but but I went from the T T12 and then I've sold T8s, I've told T5s and T5HO. Yep. And then I was, I was at the early part of LED where most LEDs were very um, substandard. You know, they were purple. They were, you know, you didn't know how you were going to see diodes through. And also you put it up and you try to use it as like a, you know, a, a recess fixture to just, you know, wall wash or something. You end up with the, with the dots of the LEDs shooting up the wall. And you're yep. like, I know it's a lot better yep. now, but still, I mean, I think if anybody's a, a designer, they should be apprehensive about just trusting something on a screen. So I love that, that sort of hybrid model that you just described to me. I hadn't even thought about it that way. Yeah, sure. Look at it, but let's get it in your studio, get it, touch it, yeah. feel it, see it. I think that's pretty powerful. Yeah. You're still, and you'll see some companies, you know, are, are still, they'll still do mock-ups. They'll be, if they've got a good relationship with the general contractor or the electrical contractor and whoever's constructing, you'll still see every so often you drive by like a construction site, you'll see, you know, a, a fake wall and you'll see some of the, uh, the facade, you'll see a window casing, you'll, and they'll build, right. And you'll see lighting designers who take the product out there at night and who are going to look, how does this graze the wall? Mm -hmm. So there's still opportunity for real world testing. Um, again, not quite as much, but no, I like it. I like it. Yeah. The, the days of just having, you know, three or four fixtures and just knocking on doors and just walking into architecture firms, I think they're gone, but I think what there's going to be more efficiencies. There's going to be more intelligence. There's going to be, I actually think that designers are going to get to see more products and start with a, a, a broader range of products and then narrow it down from there. I think it's actually going to be a better design. Yeah. Again, having sat in the specifier chair for 10 years, I can tell you it's, it's funny. We've always had this mentality with sales agents that we already lived in this on demand in our minds, which was to me as an architect or a landscape architect, like I have a job, I have countless companies and products that I have to sift through. I will call you and let you know when I need you. So I was already establishing kind of this on-demand relationship with them. And I think it's, um, I, 
I, so I hear you. And I think the digital world is actually going to make it easier for the architect to get more of what they want, which is, I want you there when I need you. I don't need you coming in my office all the time. Um, I'm going to tell you and set those limits and those boundaries. And I, that's always been their mentality. And I think on the opposite end now, what's happening is I think this, the sales agent is, is, is now even more so forced to, to kind of follow that rule. But the good news is technology is going to allow that relationship that used to be only a handshake. It's, we're going to be able to keep it strong with technology because mm-hmm. we're going to have these great 3D models, great presentations. I'm going to only, I've learned, we've all learned, God, 15 minutes, please, that's all I need on a Zoom call, right? <laughs> we've all learned such good behaviors now that I think we're going to be comfortable having that same handshake relationship done from a call. And, and it's going to be okay that it's not on my terms, it's on that customer's terms. I love it. Okay, so if I'm a designer listening to this podcast and I kind of want to see what this Your Lighting brand does and find a agent in my local market that utilizes yeah. this technology, how would they do it? Like, where are they, where are they going to go? Or are they just going to go to their local agency or how can they reverse it back that way, Rob? Yeah, it's great. Great question. So every, ter- every territory in the United States, every market has a, at least one or two lighting exchange subscribers. So chances are if they've, uh, if they visit an agency's website, they've been on it before. Um, our system powers their line card. So if you go to an agent's website and you click on the line card, you're going to see the line exchange. It's where all the search categories are, all the product cards. Um, so they can experience it themselves kind of, again, on that, uh, live, if you will, going to that agent's website. Cool thing is the line exchange also has project building capabilities. So agents and their customers can shoulder up digitally on a project. They can invite a quotes team member. They can invite the engineer. They can even invite the client, customer, whoever. And they're all on a, on a cloud-based platform that says, these are the products we're working on together. This is the flighting fixture schedule. And they can drag and drop. They can approve, disapprove, go find replacements. And all of that's being updated in real time. So chances are, if you're listening as a designer, you've been on a website that has it. And maybe, hopefully, you've also engaged or been engaged by your local agency in the project building tool. Because there's nothing worse than tracking an email that has 15 hyperlinks in it and changes every every uh, you know five minutes on a different thread. So different approach, but we think again, it's a great way to uh, work seamlessly from afar. No, I love it. I, I'm I'm serious. I love your product. I love the fact that as the designer or even a project manager or a specifier or someone who's in charge of you know getting estimates, they're kind of in control, right? And I really do like yes. it. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's go more about you, um, yep. really quick, Rob, tell us something that not everybody knows about Rob Hilbert. Ooh, um, that's a tough one. I, I, I'll here, I'll say it this way. When my work is done for the day, I love just hanging with the family. I have a pretty small, uh, like friends group. Um, I've always been that way. I always had a best friend in grade school, a best friend in high school, a best friend in college. And then I had, yes, periphery friends, but older I get now, I, you know, a work wipes me out. I love coming home and just cooking dinner and relaxing around the house, uh, and energizing. So I try to spend as much time with my, with my kids and my wife as possible. My dad taught me that one. I think that's what I've learned from him. You know, there was never a vacation that he didn't bring the kids on. 
Um, and there was also, by the way, never a vacation that he didn't work on. Uh, and I think mm -hmm. I've, uh, and I appreciate both those. I appreciate the, the family that my dad built and I want to build the same one. And again, I also love the idea that work doesn't, you should turn it off from time to time, but sometimes it's okay just to dim it a little bit. Hey, so. Rob, I've been married 27 years this month. This month is my 27th wedding. <laughs> Congratulations. My wife's kind of like, hey, you got to work. You got to make some money. Go do it. I, <laughs> I have been, I have three children and all three of them, I've been in the delivery room responding back to clients. And my wife's like, yeah, hey, you do it because someone's got to pay for this baby. So you do it. That's right. We got it. I, I agree. And that's, and honestly, I love doing it. And I love yeah. being there for my clients and, and I love instilling that in my kids. I just like, I got to watch my dad do that. Um, God, I remember like we'd go to hotels. You go, do you guys have a fax machine here? Um, the world's gotten a lot easier guys. So good news there. But I love when my kids get to watch me work. I love, you know, open up a laptop and saying, Hey, I'll be, give me 30 minutes this morning. I got to reply to some emails because uh, it's just, it's just good for them to see that there's so many other, like we go back to some of those fun YouTubers we were talking about. There's so many other people out there who can influence our kids right now. And that's yeah. not always a good thing and being there and showing them that you're also <laughs> as a business person and a father, you can be equally as, um, impactful on their lives. So that's Absolutely. the thing about me. I think I'm a, I'm a stick to my, stick to my family kind of guy. So. I love it. I love it. I don't know if there's a better thing you could do for your family. I, someone much wiser than me told me a long time ago and they were just kind of like, Mike, you know, the best gift you can give your daughters is to show, you know, what their expectations should be in a partner in their future. You know, like just, you know, I do, I mean, I do my best to treat my wife well, because almost to kind of show like, Oh, yeah. man, treats my mom good. I want, you know, I want something like that in the future. So we try to, we try to do that a little bit. So, Hey, yeah. you share with me, hopefully during this, some of this downtime, you get into a good book or maybe even a podcast. What, um, what do you lean into Rob? Like, can you share with us a good book you're liking right now, or maybe a podcast? Yeah. So, uh, I, I'm not a big book guy. Um, I've never, I've never been, if again, if I'm being authentic and honest here, I'm going to say that I buy a lot of books. My wife always jokes, well, you got a really good library, but have you, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't have the mind that can sit down for two hours and, and get into a book. And I, again, recognizing my own faults, I, I'm, I love, uh, subscribing to newsletters. I'm actually one of the, maybe the few people that enjoys getting things in their inbox. Uh, so I, CNBC. I'm a pro member there. I usually have it on in the background, just kind of listening to what they're talking about. Um, I subscribe to their newsletters. Also, um, uh, McKinsey has a, a fantastic newsletter that there's several different layers you can get in there. Uh, I think they are super sharp, obviously, and in, in kind of helping this world define where it goes next. And so I'm not, a, again, I'm not a book guy. I love books for, and I, I they're great. I, I love watching, or should, I love opening books that have beautiful pictures of homes and architecture because I'm still still have that part of my my brain but it's the sitting down and, and challenging myself to read chapter after chapter and then be inspired by that it's just not so I hate saying that but I'm a oh. I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a magazine kind of guy I guess that's the way to put it so hey Rob if it wasn't for Atlanta traffic I wouldn't have read so many I don't I don't actually read I have a, a <laughs> little bit of a challenge when it comes to reading but audible yeah. Audible changed my life and doing audible at like 1.2 or 1.5 and, and Atlanta traffic, you could go 20 miles and it could take an hour and a half to get there. Right. You could knock out almost a half a book, you know, just yeah. sitting in traffic. So 
that um, that that changed my life when it came to Audible. It's been a lot of fun. So hopefully the Office Marketing Podcast becomes one of your favorite podcasts. So we'll be able told to you out there. Uh, you know. First first time, long time. Come on. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right. So uh, last question. And I'm really yeah. looking forward to this for you. And I wonder where you're going to go. Best piece of advice that you've ever heard or, you know, that one that you like to give. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, yeah, it's, it's been here recently. My mom has been her motto with my, with my kids, uh, over the, maybe the past five or six years was, and I don't remember her saying this to me, but it was, she just always tells them never give up. And it's such a basic like premise. And, and I've talked to my kids about, you know, Hey dad, how'd you build a business? How'd, and I, well, you just never give up. You just got to work hard. It's not, it doesn't come down to, it's not about being the smartest person, um, the friendliest person. It, it comes back to one thing, working hard and never giving up. Like that is, that's it. That, that trumps everything else. And if you've got a good work ethic about you, right. And you fail and fail and fail, but then eventually you realize like, all right, I'll, it'll hit eventually. So I, I think that's my, it, what that quote wasn't there 10 years ago for me as a quote in front of me, but it, 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 it's a motto that my mom now uses. And I think it, it, you know, it's, that's why I'm here. I never gave up. I love so. it. I love it. Well, touche to your mother and your dad too. For that's right. Model. Um, so if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what will be the best way to do that, Rob? Yeah. So you can come to our website. Uh, it's yourlightingbrand.com. But if you want to get with me, just uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. So uh, Rob Hilbert and um, happy to chat with you. Send me a message, dig deeper in any topics you got. And if you got any advice for me, any, um, any great quote magazines or uh, email blasts, I should subscribe to you. Let me know guys. Happy to, happy to, to grow well, my uh, Rob, you're my an absolute joy. You really were. You were so much fun to have. You're a, you're a wonderful Thanks. conversationalist. You've really given a great gift to the lighting community um, I, I hope it's recognized and appreciated as far as just everything you're doing from designers and specifiers and estimators and even agents to help them stay in front of their clients. You're doing a really good job. And um, I hope I hope you hear that on a regular basis. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Good luck. Thanks for listening to the Office Marketing Podcast. Be sure to join the conversation on our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Facebook pages. If you enjoyed the episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.